But last week at Chi Alpha, we had uh, what's called our Chi Alpha board meeting. It was very, very long, the Friday after baptisms, but it was extremely, extremely helpful and beneficial. These, these pastors are extremely wise and gave us great, great counsel. But at the end of the day, I was exhausted from that and from the whole day of baptism things before. So that night, me and Eli decided, let's just go to Best Buy and buy a movie so that we can relax at home. He didn't fly out till Saturday. And so uh, we went to Best Buy and I bought the movie World War Z with Brad Pitt. It is such a good movie. The girls on staff are so excited because we're all gonna watch it together at some point this summer. Mike's excited because he knows about it, but we had to convince them they're excited. Speaking of movies, a few summers ago, we used to do something called Movie Mondays. We should definitely try to bring that back where you guys, yeah. someone at every week hosts a movie night because I will be there as long as I'm in town. I loved, I loved Movie Mondays. We usually hosted it at the old Chi Alpha house um, in the ghetto on these sweaty leather couches. So it was pretty nasty. Um, but uh, so during this movie, I, had to, I was trying to get a picture up because Brad Pitt's hair just looks phenomenal during this movie, but he plays a pretty sweet character. And during this movie, him and his family hide with this other family in, a, in an apartment building in Newark, New Jersey. It's like the armpit of New York City. It's not really part of New York City, but um, I guess they'd be offended by that if I can remember. New Jersey, that's what I said, right? New York, New York, New Jersey? Okay, that's what I thought. So they're hiding in this apartment with this family while they're waiting for this helicopter to come save them later the next morning. And after spending the night, Brad Pitt's character tells this family that they should come with him. But this other dad tells him, no thank you, we'll be safe here in our home. Like we're just gonna barricade the door, we'll be fine. And Brad Pitt's character who's had experience with uh, countries that are falling apart in like war zones, so on and so forth. He says this, he says, movement is life. Movimiento es vida. That's what he says. Movement is life. And if this migrant family stays where they are, they will die. That's what he's saying. And throughout the whole movie, this becomes the theme. If you keep moving, you keep living. And the same applies to the spiritual world. Jesus always pushes us to movement. For example, the Newtonian law of motion says that something will not move like that's at rest unless acted upon or something going one direction will not change direction unless acted upon, right? There's simple things that I can Google that every engineer here knows in their sleep. But um, every time Jesus encountered someone in the Bible, he acted on them in a way that would move them forward or help them change direction. To the selfish sinner, he would say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're going this direction, so you should redirect your movement so your movement actually becomes life. Anyone who came to Jesus would always get what I call a mandate for movement because movement is life. So allow me to keep explaining. Before, before leaving Jesus, Jesus would essentially tell people things like movement is life. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Or you fishermen, movement is life, so stop do, staying where you are and come and follow me. Move towards me. Jesus always mandated people to move in some direction. This whole semester, we've hopefully been moving closer to, closer to Jesus because we've had all our friends around us pushing us in that direction. But now, people are about to go home for summer. 
Some seniors are moving away for good. <clears throat> and you won't have the same community, community acting on you from the outside um, to have movement towards Jesus. A lot of people in the Bible only saw Jesus once. And uh, when they leave, they were leaving for good. Like you don't hear about them ever again. And Jesus always gave them a mandate for movement. Because movement is life as long as it's towards him. So that's what tonight is going to be all about. Is giving us a final mandate for movement over the summer. So we don't stop moving towards Jesus. And the question is, what kind of movement do we need? And so for the final time this semester, I'm going to invite Bianca to come up and read our scripture. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older one, older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Thank you, Bianca. Sorry for that final typo. My fault. <clears throat> so let's pray, and we'll get into this special night. <clears throat> Jesus, you promised that you would be here. You promised that you would be at every small group. You promised that you would be at every hangout. So long as we are making disciples, you promised that you would be here. So will you be here and speak to us, please? We want to hear from you. Lord, help us go into this summer loving you and come back loving you even more. Holy Spirit, let everything that you speak to people tonight not, not leave their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So getting into a passage like this would be pretty fun, but we don't have time to get into it all. So we'll just start near the end. So Jesus approaches this woman and he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And throughout the Gospels, when Jesus uses the term woman, it's actually not offensive like we, would, like we would nowadays. It's a term of affection and endearment. It points out the beauty, dignity, and elegance of the woman to whom he's speaking. And by the standards of the law, which you just read, this woman had lost all of her dignity. She was used and soiled and exposed to everyone. And there are many terms that someone could have used to describe and address her, but Jesus gives her a name worthy of someone greater than her. We are pretty much, whether we'd like to admit it or not, all used and soiled. <clears throat> I know that we can know the filth of our heart when we see the beauty and perfection of Jesus. Whether it's our attitudes, our thoughts, our pride, our laziness, our idleness, our misgiven priorities, 
all the things. Jesus, in spite of that, has given us a name worthy of someone greater than us. He has given you a life worthy of someone better than you. <clears throat> we will never realize the joy of this reality until we admit and see the filth in our heart for what it is. One of the greatest statements in the Bible is Revelation 21.5 when it says, Jesus himself says, Behold, I make all things new. When Jesus acts upon us and we change the direction of our lives, the old person dies and now we have new movement. Not movement leading to death, but movement leading to life. Because he says, behold, I make all things new, including the direction of all this movement you've had. So this woman responds to Jesus and says, no, there's no one left to condemn me. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The absolutely sinless pardons the undeniably sinful. Jesus has given her a new name and now has mandated new movement for her life. You have no idea how many times I've watched college students get in horrible, horrible relationships, get out of them just to get right back in them or jump right into an equally stupid one. I was asked to try to, want, uh, maybe a few years ago, I was asked to try to help this one girl see uh, that this guy just didn't really care about her. Um, but it didn't matter what I said. I say something like, I mean, this guy doesn't even love Jesus. It doesn't matter. He loves me. Or you'll say, this guy shouldn't treat you the way he does. This is unacceptable. It doesn't matter. He loves me. Or like, uh, this guy doesn't actually want to make disciples. And you're, you would like to. You're wanting to do LTC or you're wanting this. And it, it doesn't matter. He loves me. And so it's just bad. Like this gets really bad and it's obvious what was wrong, but she, keeps, she kept going back to it. <clears throat> you usually know which relationships are the foolish ones because they usually hate when anyone tries to say anything about their relationship to them. So there's that one. <clears throat> usually what happens is Jesus acts on someone and then they realize a new standard for relationships and Jesus mandates movement away from their current ones so they listen and break up. That makes sense. But the reason they go back is because they stop the movement that helped them realize this new standard in the first place. Does that make sense? They're going one direction that Jesus has told them. They realize this guy or girl isn't going that direction so we've got to stop. But all of a sudden they do the same relationship thing over again. The only explanation is they're not going that direction anymore. See where I'm going? So... <clears throat> They had a heart of humility. They made Jesus and abiding in him a priority or they made community a priority, but then they stop. They stop abiding. They get prideful. They stop hanging around community so much and only with each other. <clears throat> and they no longer have movement. They're stagnant. So they go back to old, their old habits, their old life, their old friends and their old standards. All that to say is that movement is life. Stagnation is death. So Jesus always gives a mandate for movement. Jesus gave mandates for, for movement to everybody. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, to the whole crowd, he says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. To this leper, he says, now go and show yourself according to the law. 
obey the law. To the centurion, he says, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. Essentially, keep going the direction with me that you've been going. To the rich young ruler, he says, go and sell what you possess and come and follow me. To the demoniac, after Jesus healed him, he says, go home to your friends and tell them what God has done for you. To his disciples, he says, go therefore and make disciples. And then also wait in the city until you are covered, endued with power from on high. All summer, if you'll just read the Gospels and you find every instance where someone was about to leave Jesus' like presence, he would give them a mandate for movement. If you read every single one of those and you do them, your movement will always lead to life. So I encourage you to do that over the summer. Just look for every time Jesus said to do something when someone wasn't going to be with him. And if you do that while you're gone, we'll actually see you again in August. If you don't, your movement is going to lead to death or your lack of movement will invite death to everything that God has done in you this semester. For tonight, I think the most important mandate for movement is what Jesus told this woman and its connecting implications. So please listen carefully. He says, go and sin no more. Go home for summer and sin no more. Go and be prayerless no more. Go and be lustful no more. Go and be prideful no more. Go and be lazy no more. Go and be the old you no more. For behold, I have made all things new. Go and sin no more. We're all about to, some of us get busier in the summer. Some of us are going to have way more free time. Some are leaving community, but the mandate is the same. Go and be the old you no more. The question is how? How can we go and sin no more? I used to have airsoft wars with my brother and our friends in high school, uh, but doing it during the day was pretty boring. I don't know why looking at a plastic gun isn't intimidating, so we'd do it at night in my house, and we would... Uh, confine my parents to their bedroom so they wouldn't be caught in the crossfire. But the problem is at night, you can't, when the house is pitch black, you can't see what you're shooting at. So you can't tell if you're shooting at something valuable like a, eight, an 80 inch flat screen or just some backpack sitting on the counter. You can't tell. Uh, and so we, we broke the, the flat screen. Um, but we just couldn't see. We had no sense of direction or point of, re- point of reference for what was valuable and what not to do. The point is that darkness always obliterates your ability to distinguish between things. Darkness obliterates distinctions. In the dark, you can't distinguish between things of value and things of no value. You can't see the difference between a real person's face and the painting of one. Darkness is this sort of blindness. And Paul says in Ephesians 5 that without Jesus, we are darkness because you are in the the state you live. So you live in darkness, you are darkness. You cannot be convinced between right and wrong or truth and error because we live in the dark. You can't choose Jesus over sin in the dark because you can't even tell which is which. And Jesus gives a mandate for movement in regards to this problem. So the night Jesus was taken to be killed, he was praying, but his friends, as he stepped away for a little bit, fell asleep. And he comes back and says, could you not just stay awake for an hour? Watch and pray so you don't give in to temptation. Watch, be vigilant, and pray. What Jesus is saying is that there is an innate, unbreakable connection between not sinning and prayer. 
Jesus is the light of the world, so when you stay near him, you don't walk in darkness, but the light of life is with you. When you walk in darkness, you have no idea even how to choose holiness if you wanted to. However, when you stay near Jesus, Paul says later on in Ephesians 5, that the, uh, you are now the light of the Lord. You're no longer darkness, you're the light of the Lord. So simply put, when you pray, the less you choose sin and selfishness. The more you pray, the less you choose sin and selfishness. As we leave for the summer, our mandated movement is to go and sin no more, to be a new creation. And to do that, we watch and pray so we don't give in to temptation. So finally, what does it look like to watch and pray? How can we be near Jesus so we don't live in darkness and unrighteousness? I travel quite a bit more than I used to in the past for various different reasons, so I have to find a dog sitter very often for a few nights, so I'd ask someone to come stay at my home. I don't know if they feel like that's a burden or a blessing or not. I, had a, I have a friend named Abby Rodriguez, who I used to watch their house years ago when I was a student, and I loved being at their house. It was better than living in a horrible, messy house with guys. So when I would watch their home, I'd get free food, I'd be able to bring all my friends over to watch TV, and I'd get to f stay in this homey home. Does that make sense? Like, because she just knew how to make it a home, I enjoyed being there. I actually stayed more, I spent more time at their house when I was watching it than I would at my own house when I was living in it. Because it just felt like a home. Because a real home is a place where you love spending a lot of time. And that's what we need to do. If you want to watch and pray so that you can go and sin no more, we have to make Jesus our home, the place where we spend a lot of time this summer. John 15 says, Abide in me and I in you. Whosoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withered. The word abide is just, the, it, it comes from the Latin word mansio, which is where we get our English word mansion. Your mansion is your home. Jesus is saying, make your home in me. Make me the place where you spend a lot of time every day. If we don't make our home in Jesus this summer, we will not effectively watch and pray, and therefore, we will not effectively go and sin no more. When we don't abide in Jesus, we get in dumb relationships, we make stupid decisions, we choose ourselves over the kingdom of God, and we become enemies of the kingdom again. We cannot do anything without abiding in Jesus, without spending a lot of time with him. We are just this tiny branch and we just need the, the power of the vine to flow into us. And all you have to do is spend a lot of time with Jesus. When the branch doesn't get its life from the vine, it actually dries up right where the, the, the branch and the vine connect. It just gets really, really dry. And then a small gust of wind comes in and it snaps off. It's not like the vine removed it. The wind itself removed it because it dried up. So if we don't abide this summer, we will dry up. We will wither. And this, the moment a gust of feelings you don't like or a situation you weren't expecting or anything happens to you, you're going to break off from Jesus. And we won't see you in August. All we have to do is to make our home in Jesus and spend extravagant time with Him. So to sum that up, that means you pray, you talk with him, you worship, you sing to him, and you read the Bible and good books. You let him speak to you. Movement is life, and our mandated movement is to abide in Jesus, 
so that we can watch and pray well so that we can go and sin no more. <clears throat> Movement is life as long as we are always moving where Jesus says to move. Jesus always mandates movement because movement is life. 